Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the incredible events that accompany the last days. Now these two witnesses, notice, would be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit for their ministry. They are sent, sustained, and set apart for this time and mission. These two witnesses will be endowed with incredible divine power and authority. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devour their enemies. That'd be kind of a nifty instrument they have when people try to carjack you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Make no mistake, Satan is wise, shrewd, conniving, and deceitful, but all the while foolish, too, as he continues to try and supersede the ultimate plan of God. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the prophetic book of Revelation as he points out our God's incredible power expressed through the lives of his faithful witnesses. Let's listen. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1 through 14. And the message entitled, The Two Witnesses. One of the hottest places in the Middle East is the Temple Mount, which is controlled by the followers of Islam. It is the third holiest place, Mecca being first, Medina second, the Temple Mount third. It has become so volatile that in the last visits that we've had to Israel, we haven't been able to even to go on it. You've heard in the years past of all the turmoil, and there's been uh, people killed over there when they thought they were going to place the, t- uh, the cornerstone of the temple, and many different things. This will be the very site where the third Jewish temple will be built during the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation by the Antichrist and his false prophet. But God is going to have his own two witnesses to oppose them. There have been two temples, the Temple of Solomon and the Temple of Zerubbabel, 1 King 8 and Ezra 3. Herod's temple really was not a third temple. Herod's temple was the Temple of Zerubbabel, which he enlarged and beautified. And Jesus pronounced judgment over it in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, and Titus in 70 AD dismantled it. The third temple will be built by the Antichrist when the Jews make a covenant with him, which begins the seven-year tribulation known as the 70th week of Daniel. Daniel 9, 27 is very, very clear about that. Daniel declares that there will be a ceasing of sacrifice, the desolation that causes abomination, or abomination that causes desolation. Daniel 7, 27 marks the half Daniel 12, 11. Uh, Jesus also confirms this, Matthew 24, 15. And in Revelation 12, we've already seen the Antichrist persecuting the woman, chasing her into the wilderness, the city of Petra, where God will provide and protect her for three and a half years. So what we want to do is look at the record of these two witnesses during the tribulation, which is given to us here in Revelation 11, 1 through 14. Let me read. And then I, it was given me a read like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the core which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days clothed in sackcloth. These are two olive trees and two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. 
And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls on the days of their prophecy. And they have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their ministry, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also the Lord was crucified. Then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into the grave. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now, after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here, and they ascended to heaven in the cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to God of heaven. The second woe was past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. The record of these two witnesses of the tribulation is marked by three things. First, the ministry of the two witnesses, verse 1 through 6. Secondly, the martyrdom of the two witnesses in verse 7 through 10. And thirdly, the miraculous raising and rapture of the two witnesses, verse 11 through 14. The ministry of the two witnesses, verse 1 through 6. Notice in verse 1 through 3, we have the inspired ministry. This is the important background of the 11th chapter of Revelation. This is not symbolic, as many commentators say. This is a literal event. The apostle John was given a read. And told by the angel to measure three things in verse 1. The temple, the nows, the sanctuary proper. The altar, which most likely is the brass altar, the sacrifice on the court of the priest. And those who worship therein. In verse 2, then he is excluded from measuring certain things. The court outside the temple. The reason for it has been given to the Gentiles, John is told. And then the time of that duration. They will tread the holy city underfoot 42 months, the last three and a half years, which is marked by great tribulation. It's confirmed by Daniel. It's confirmed by Jesus. Daniel 7.25, 9.27, uh, 12.7, and Jesus in Matthew 24.15. Particularly, and it can go all the way down to verse 22. Now, the temple inner court of Solomon had three courts, the women's court, the men's court, and the priest's court. Separate from that was the court of the Gentiles with a barrier and an inscription there that said, anyone beyond this point comes at their own risk of death. The same sign was posted in the temple of Zerubbabel that Herod beautified during the days of Jesus. The time of the Gentiles, remember, began with Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 2, he gives the head of gold, Babylon. 
the arms of, sil of silver, Medo-Persia, the belly of brass, Greece, the legs of iron, Rome, the ten toes, a nation confederacy of ten nations comprised of iron and clay, a type of democracy, but iron and clay don't mix. That's the kingdom of the Antichrist, the ten nations that were in here. But every one of them happened exactly. The time of the Gentiles began with Nebuchadnezzar. The Jews went into bondage. The Jews have never ruled prior to this, or as they did prior to that Nebuchadnezzar. They have always been subservient. The time of the Gentile finishes at the end of the reign of the Antichrist, at the end of the seven years, when the stone cut out with hands strikes the image at the feet and it crumbles. The time of the Gentiles should not be confused with the fullness of the Gentiles declared by Paul in Romans 11.25. The fullness of the Gentile is the full number of people to be saved in the church before the rapture. So the fullness of the Gentile is the total number of people to be saved in the church, to be raptured. The time of the Gentiles is a period of history from the Gentiles to rule the world, Nebuchadnezzar to the time of Antichrist. Now, many believe that the Dome of the Rock or the Mosque of Omar on the Temple Mount has to be destroyed for the temple to be rebuilt. And that's what the big havoc is over there. You can't even go up there anymore. But it is now believed that Solomon's temple laid north of the Dome of the Rock, what is known as the Dome of the Spirits or the Dome of the Tablets. If those of you who have been there with us, you're standing in the Mount of Olives looking in. The Dome of the Rock or the, um, uh, 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 the Mosque of Omar is on the left. And over to the right, you have the little Dome of the Tablets or Spirits. And there's an area there, about 10 acres, that is sufficient. It's believed that the Temple of Solomon was there, not where the Dome of the Rock is. Now, Dr. Kaufman is one of the experts of this. He's done great work on it, and he's presented his work. That would put the Dome of the Rock in the court of the Gentiles, as verse 2 says. How interesting. Now, Pastor Chuck Smith believes that there will be a wall built between the Dome of the Rock or the Mosque of Omar and the newly built temple. And he gives us Ezekiel 42.20 where it says that a wall will be built between the holy and the profane. The only problem that I have with that is that the temple there in Ezekiel 42 is the millennial temple. It's out of context. Now, they could very well build a wall, but I don't have scripture for it. You understand? Because the context in Ezekiel 42 is the millennial temple. So it's out of context. But it will be built. Whether they have to do whatever they have to do, it will be built. Notice they will be empowered by God, verse 3 says. They will be enabled by Jesus. He says, I will give power to my two witnesses, his witnesses. They're God's chosen individuals. The law required two witnesses to establish any legal matter, Deuteronomy 19.15. The people would have no excuse for the rejection, for the persecution of these two. They would be liable to God. They will be allotted a specific time, notice, by Jesus. They will prophesy 1,260 days. That is three and a half years. 42 months, time, times, half a time. The increments are given to us in four increments. Two halves of seven, three and a half, three and a half, 1,260 days, 42 months, so we don't miss it. Now notice the word prophecy. They will prophesy. 
It means to speak forth the word of God. The basic understanding and meaning of prophecy or someone prophesying is to be the mouthpiece of God. That's the primary function of a prophet in the Old Testament. Secondary, to speak future things, but primary to be the mouthpiece of God. This is what these two witnesses are. They're the mouthpiece of God. They're proclaiming judgment. They're proclaiming God's word to a dark world. The church has been raptured. The restraining force has been removed in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. There's just ungodly people in the world. God has already sealed 144,000 Jews. He's got these two witnesses. The man of peace, false peace, the deceiver, is giving a big, a big program for the world. Everybody loves them, solutions, everything else. And you have these irritants in the mist. Two prophets and 144,000 Jews. Many will be saved during that time. Now, note the particular time frame is identified for us again in all these different increments. Daniel 12, 14, Daniel 7, 25, uh, Revelation 13, 5 gives us also those increments in months, days, or years. And remember, it's based on a 360-day Babylonian calendar or biblical calendar for the 70 weeks of Daniel that Daniel gives us in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. 360-day year, not 65. And it works out perfectly. We saw this in the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ to Jerusalem. Now, notice they will be dressed in specific attire. According to Jesus, clothed in sackcloth. This type of clothing describes the nature of their mission and preaching. They will represent affliction, grief, due to the spiritual condition of the world. Dark. Dark. Just think about it. All Christian influence removed. We've already seen what happens to our school systems even when Christians are present here. Our government. We're headed that direction as America. Psalm 35, 13 says, But as for me, when they were sick... My clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself in fastings, and my prayer would return to my own heart. Isaiah twenty-two twelve. They will be calling people to avert judgment through repentance. He says there. Listen, and in the day of the Lord God of hosts, call for weeping and for mourning, for baldness and for girding of sackcloth. So this is the attire of these prophets. They're his witnesses. But notice, not only their inspired ministry, but in verse four through six, you have their indestructible ministry. Verse 4, these two olive trees and two lampstands are standing before the God of the earth. This is quoting Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 3, 11, and 14. The angel uh, came to Zerubbabel there, and he says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And the context of all of that is that Zerubbabel would become a plane. In other words, he would be this instrument of God to build the temple. He says, you have laid the foundation of the temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And so the quotation is for the building of the second temple. There's a Rubabel, but now the second full fulfillment, John picks it up, and it is now for these two witnesses. The two witnesses, when spoken to Zechariah, was Zechariah and Joshua the high priest. God's anointed for the second temple. Now you have the two witnesses here for the third temple. Now these two witnesses, notice, would be filled, driven, and empowered by the Holy Spirit for their ministry. Two olive trees, one of the symbols for Israel. This is Jewish ground. Two lampstands, symbolic of the vessels of light to the dark world. Jesus has picked this up and given us this interpretation already in chapter 1, verse 20, as the lampstands to the churches, his instruments. They stand before God, notice. In other words, they are sent, sustained, 
and set apart for this time and mission, just as Zechariah. Notice in verse 5 and 6 that these two witnesses will be endowed with incredible divine power and authority. In verse 5, their incredible power is given to us. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. That'd be kind of a nifty instrument to have when people try to carjack you. <laughs> they will be indestructible. They're God's instruments. Elijah called on fire from heaven and consumed the men, as you know. 2 Kings 1, 10, 11, and 13. Nothing new. God's done this before. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These two will be divinely protected by God until their ministry is finished. Keep that in mind. Tuck that in the back of your head and put that for your life. You don't have to freak out about death. You don't have to freak out about all kinds of weird things. You'll die right on time. We'll see this, okay? <laughs> Look at verse 6. Not only their incredible power, but here's their incredible authority. These have power to shut down heaven so that no rain falls in their day of the prophecies. In other words, drought. The word power is exousia, the authority to act, God's authority. Often they ask Jesus, the Pharisees, by, by what authority do this? The power is the ability to do it. The authority is who gave you the right. This is the right of God. He's the one giving the right. They have power over waters to turn them into blood, strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. The drinking water that remains because the first six seals, this is part of the sixth seal, the earth's already been plagued in many different ways. So the drinking waters are affected. There's drought. Plagues have consumed the people. Now some more. Who are these guys? Well, for sure, one of them is Elijah. Malachi 4, 5 says that before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, Elijah will come. That's why the Jews, when they celebrate Passover, they always leave an empty chair and an empty setting on the table for Elijah. Because he will come before that day. John the Baptist came in the power and the spirit of Elijah in Luke 1.29. The disciples asked Jesus, what about him? He says, he came in the power and the spirit. Elijah will come literally. Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind in 2 Kings 2. He never died. It's appointed unto man to die once. Elijah has to die. This it will be Elijah, one of them. Some think that the second could be Moses because of the miracles of turning blood, sort of like uh, in Egypt and stuff like that. But I think that the most favorable candidate, the second guy, is Enoch. In Genesis 5.4, Jude 14, and Hebrews 9.27 speaks about having to die once. Enoch was translated, he walked with God, he pleased God, he walked with God, was not, for God took him. These are the only two that have not died. I believe Enoch is the second one. I think he's the best candidate. If there's somebody else, fine, but I go to those two because they have not died. For sure, Elijah, I think Enoch is the second one. You know, as we study Jeremiah, you remember that he prophesied for 40 to 50 years, and he wept. He's known as a weeping prophet. And his ministry was a difficult one. And they threatened him, they beat him, they imprisoned him, they accused him of being a traitor. They, they, oh, they put fear in his heart, everything else. And yet God said, Jeremiah, they're not going to touch you. In other words, you're going to be okay. Now they touched him, they, they beat him, but everybody went to captivity. He was given the full reign, whether to go and be taken care of in Babylon or to stay in the land. God was faithful. The same thing with these two witnesses. No one will touch them until God says, now. People do not call themselves into ministry, though some people do. Some people think 
well, you know, I'm ready to retire. It'd be nice to go into ministry. And they just take it like, well, it'd be like a kind of a hobby thing. You know, and we only really work once a week, you know what I mean? Sunday, you know, pretty good. Hmm. And when men choose those reasons and motives, the people are the ones that suffer. Worse yet, there is so much emphasis today on signs and wonders and miracles for the validation of a ministry while ignoring the carnality and the sin that goes on in the midst of those kind of ministries that attract a lot of flesh. Am I speaking against miracles? No, God's a God of miracles. The biggest miracle is you're born again. You turn you from a devil to a saint, as well as myself. God heals. God does as he wills, but always according to his will. Ministries to be operated through the function of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit upon a man, the gifts of the Holy Spirit to edify the saints. Ephesians 4 is very, very clear on that, that people not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I had never expected, planned, or dreamt that I would be a minister. It was God who called me. No one else. It was God who enabled me. I remember at college, you know, because some of you guys have gone and you've done um, speech classes, you know, impromptu, two, three minutes, freaked out. I couldn't even speak in front of people. Two minutes, three minutes, it felt like three hours. You died. God calls individuals to ministry. You remember Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, as the prophets and teachers were gathered there, Barnabas and Simon and Lucius and many of the others, and Saul also. And the Spirit says, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work of the ministry which I have called them. He called them and they were sent out. Often people say, well, why do you go where you go? I go because God has called me and God has opened the doors. Not because I want to do that. We're going to be going to Colombia and to Quito. Often people say, why do you go to Cuba? Why do you go to, why do you go to, well, I go because I believe God has me there. There's places where I'm invited to and I pray and I don't think God wants me to go. I don't go. But where God confirms that he wants me to go and he opens the door, I go. Listen to Paul. 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. By the prophecies, the calling, the confirmations that you have been called, you have been anointed. Therefore, I remind you to serve the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands, 2 Timothy 1.6. Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the elders, 1 Timothy 4.14. So it's very evident when a person is called because God anoints him, God uses him. There's confirmation by those. If, if I taught and, 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 the, and the church diminished, then I don't have the gift of teaching. Ministry is God's, not man's. People get real territorial when it comes to ministry. And sometimes people are in a ministry for a long time and all of a sudden God starts directing and using other people and they get threatened. Ministry belongs to no one. Seniority does not count in, in the Lord. You cannot be replaced, but there'll be others to be used, some less than you, some more than you. So get over it. It's going to be okay. You do what God has called you to do. Ministry belongs to no one but the Lord. Hold it real, real loose. The ministry and person that is anointed by God will continue to flourish. The people will come. The people will grow. Ministry will open up. God will open the doors to ministry. God will raise the people in ministry. 
God will provide for ministry. Well, God, guys, He provides. That's our philosophy, right? And we attempt to live it out to the very period. We never pressure. We never beg. We never tighten up the screws on anybody. We let God take care of it. And if He provides for it, we do it. If not, no, we're not going to do it. This is the ministry of the two witnesses. They're His witnesses. His instruments. Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us that when God is in control, His will indeed will come to pass. And you can request a copy of today's vital study from the book of Revelation titled, The Two Witnesses. You can request your own copy for just $4 on CD. Make sure you pass it along to those in your church or home Bible study when you're through listening. So the title to ask for once again is, The Two Witnesses. You can contact us by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Who can stand up against the Antichrist during the last days? Join Pastor Xavier Reese for more insight from the book of Revelation here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 